1: Sin, no matter how glorious it looks, it will always sting in the end.
2: Truth. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth. Right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Today, we are picking up right where we left off in our message titled Paying the Price in John Chapter 5.
1: So, when you're in Israel, they call it the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, you know, you have what? You have what? You have the elevators in a hotel. You have elevators in any building. So now they have an elevator that's dedicated, and they have some here in Los Angeles do that because we have such a large concentration of Jewish people here in L.A. And on the Sabbats, you you have an elevator that's dedicated to those so they don't work. Now they thought, they have said now that it's work to push the button on what floor you want to go. So on the sabat, what happens is the elevator now, like if you're staying at a resort that's got seventeen floors, well guess what? If you're on the first floor and you're trying to go downstairs, you wait for the elevator to come, because the one on the sabat, it goes to every floor and stops and the door is open. And then the doors closed. It's like, do you really think God could care less if you push the button on the elevator? It wasn't meant to be that. But this is what the Jewish religious leaders turned it into. You know, God made it for a day of rest, yet the religious hypocrisy blinded them to the obvious miracle that had just taken place. They missed the opportunity to fall on their collective faces and worship the living God who was walking in their presence. Jesus healed this man. Can't you see the miracle? I mean, this guy has been lame for 38 years. He's jumping up and down rejoicing. You care because he's carrying his sleeping bag under his arm. Like, what is wrong with you? Jesus, after seeing everything that happened to this man being interrogated by the religious leaders, said to him in verse 14, Behold, you have become well. Let's, let, let's get back on, let's focus not on your sin of carrying your little mat underneath you. Let's get back. And he says, but now sin no more. He has not, he's not talking about the quote sin that they're saying of carrying his mat. There's a deeper sin here. So that nothing worse happens to you. So what Jesus is doing for this man is he is answering the question, why have I lost the ability to walk and why have I been diseased for these 38 years? Why was this man inflicted with all of this in the first place? It was the result in this particular case of sin in this man's life. And he tells him, now listen, go and sin no more. Jesus connected the dots for this man, and he tells him that there are consequences to sin. Now, what was his sin? Well, the Lord didn't air his dirty laundry for us, and that's good. We don't need to know what the sin was, so we don't know. But what we do know is this. It caused this man 38 years of misery. Understand, there will not always be an answer to the whys that we have in our life. And not every disease and every hardship is uh, a result of sin. Of course not. In fact, we have another place in scripture uh, that gives us an example that, you know, it's not everything is connected to some kind of sin. Because if you look in John chapter 9, and we'll look at it in detail when we get there, but Jesus healed a blind man. He was blind from birth, and he healed him. And the guy's like, wow, you know, I was blind, but now I can see. It's just an awesome scenario, and his testimony is unbelievable. But then the disciples came to Jesus, and they said, Lord, well, who sinned, his mother or his father? Like, why was this guy born blind? And Jesus said, no, no one sinned here, but for the glory of God. This, is, this has happened in this, in this person's life. And so there's things that just happen in life. There's DNA that's tainted. There's, you know, as soon as we got out of the Garden of Eden, as soon as we left the place of perfection that God had created for man to live in, that he would come down and dwell with them. As soon as man chose to sin and chose to turn his back on God and to and, and embrace sin in their life, and when they were booted out of the Garden of Eden, the place of paradise, then we're subject to anything and everything everything. We live in a world that's imperfect, that's got all kinds of problems. And so who knows what could cause many things in our lives? But that guy that was blind had nothing to do with any sin at all. So yet, there are other times though, like what we have here in John chapter 5, that our infirmity or the hardship that we might be facing right now is a direct result of our own sin. Yes, there's a price to pay for sin. The Bible says in Galatians 6-7, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man or a woman sows, that will they also reap. So think about it. God tells us what is right... And he tells us what is wrong in his word. It's not hard to figure out. And for those who have never picked up a Bible in their life and they've never read the Old Testament or the Pentateuch or the laws of God, you know, they still have no excuse for not knowing what is right or wrong. And you might think, well, how is that? That's not fair. How can God hold us accountable to something we've never read before? Because God has given to each and every one of us a conscience. He tells us in Romans chapter 2 that we've all been given a conscience that he's literally wrote his word upon the fleshly tablets of our heart. Meaning, we know instinctively what is right and what is wrong. Do we really have to read, thou shalt not steal? Do we have to read that not to know that? I mean, I was stealing things when I was a little child. I mean, I knew it was wrong. I was looking to the left and to the right. I just forgot to look up because God was watching everything, okay? you know. But I was stealing things. Know that that's why we feel guilty. That's why we have feelings of shame that come into our life when we steal something. Why? Because we just we know what's wrong instinctively. Well, I was never raised in a Christian home. I, I had no idea that... that I shall not steal, but I ultimately knew it was inside of me. Even if we're callous inside and we callous our own heart, because it is possible to callous our own heart by continuing to sin. And then you don't feel guilty anymore. You know, like I have calluses on my hands here. I haven't worked in construction for like 25 years. These calluses are like 25 years old. But back when I was working in construction, I mean, I had calluses all over my hand, but I still have some here. Well, we can do the same thing in our own hearts. And if you're living in sin right now and you're living in an area of sin that that you know is absolutely wrong, but you don't feel bad about it anymore, you don't feel guilty inside, you should make sure you go before the Lord and say, oh God, have mercy on me. God, do something in my heart because I don't even feel bad about what I know is wrong anymore. See, you have gone so far that you have calloused your heart. And that's why you need to seek the mercy and the grace of God because of that. But again, well, here, we don't have to read about these things. We already know them inside. And understand, God made sure, even if you're calloused and you've done these things so many times that you don't feel bad, He wrote them down in the Word anyway and we are accountable to His Word. We are accountable because He's left it for us here on planet Earth. And there will be a judgment day in the end that every man and every woman will stand before. Yes, God said, you shall not steal. And He also said, said you shall not murder that's right so i'm sorry when your neighbor wrongs you or a coworker, or what have you you can't go and kill them it's wrong and that's why god established what is right and wrong because again he's the creator he has been given the right as our creator causing us to be alive causing our lungs to breathe and our hearts to beat with no batteries he can tell us what is right and wrong but god said to not be embittered towards those people that wrong us that we should forgive them even as Jesus has forgiven us. Now some of you might be thinking I've had people wrong me. I'm not going to forgive them. They're dogs. And maybe they are dogs. But God's not asking you to forgive them because they're not dogs. God's asking you to forgive them Because we have sinned against God and he's forgiven us. And he says, like I've forgiven you, you should forgive them. So this is why he's asking us to do that. He went on to say, we shall not have sex outside of marriage in his law. Wow, really? It's like, does does the United States know that? Does the world know that? (laughs) Because a lot of people are having sex and they're not married. You know, he also said, you should not have sex with someone of the opposite sex. And he also said that if you're married... You can't have sex with someone else who's married that you're not married to, okay? So he details it out pretty good. In fact, you know, God spends a lot of time talking about the sexual relationships in the Bible. So God has never said no to sex, by the way. He just says, wait for sex. He didn't say no. He just says, wait until you come into a covenant relationship with that person that you're willing to spend the rest of your life with. You know, so you women are to wait until that man makes a covenant relationship with you. You know, men, we have to wait for that woman to make that covenant relationship. And when we come into that covenant relationship where we adhere to one another, because the Bible says what? Men. He said so you are to leave your father and your mother, you're to abandon them, and you are to cleave to your wife. You are to adhere yourself to her, you're to glue yourself together to her for the rest of your life. And so God says, now, once you've made that relationship, I want you to have this relationship with your spouse i want your wife men to ravish you with her love yes preach it pastor you know it's like and this is why we shouldn't use this as a tool against our mate you know like oh yeah if you're not going to do what i say i'm cutting the well off you know it's like "Ah, shouldn't do that we should come together and that should be like a healing bomb in that relationship And this is why God has given us much detail on the sexual relationship in the book of Leviticus of the Torah. And he says, what? He says, listen, here, I'm going to lay down some ground rules on this sexual thing here. I'm sorry. You can't have sex with your dad. You can't have sex with your mom. Hey. Dads, you can't have sex with your sons or your daughters. Mom, you can't have sons, uh, sex with them. It's like you can't have sex with your aunt or your uncle. And aunts and uncles can't have sex with their nieces and nephews. He lays this down. He just kind of goes down the line. he says, oh, and you can't have sex with someone of the same sex. Oh, and you can't have sex with a cow or a camel or a sheep. <laughs> he, just, he lays it out. You can't do these things. But God made this beautiful sexual relationship to be a blessing to you when you come into that relationship together, that covenant relationship. He tells us as he goes on in the different laws, and he says, you shall not be drunk to impair yourself, you know, along with other laws. Now, again, if we ignore God's laws with no desire to repent of these things or turn from those sins, then he just says this, you can't go to heaven. Wow. You know, people will get on me, like, why are you calling out sins? Why are you saying this? Because it's the truth of God's word and he says in there because look you know if people want to do whatever they want to do look do whatever you want to do i'm I'm not here to judge you bro you know i'm not here to all of these things you know i'm just telling you that i actually love you enough to tell you the truth and if you don't care about god and you don't care about the next life then live however you want to live but if you believe what the bible says which i believe In my heart, in the deepest part of my soul, that like he says, it's appointed for each man and each woman to die once and after this comes judgment. I believe that. And I'm willing to offend someone to say, look, I'm just telling you, this is what God's word says. And you cannot go to heaven. You will not be able to get into heaven because you have chosen to live in this sin and completely blow off what God has said. Know this, God is not trying to be our cosmic killjoy he gives us standards to live by because he desires us to live happy and productive lives see, when people look at God and say oh, this is a bunch of rules and regulations just rules, you Christians live under these rules and regulations I'm free though, I can do whatever I want to go you know, like those one girl say you know, no, good girls go to heaven but bad girls go everywhere they want you know, it's like, well, yeah, I guess so on this side of heaven but you don't get to go everywhere because when you die, you can't go to heaven You'll only go to a place called hell. So listen, God wants us to live happy and productive lives. That's why he establishes rules for us. Yet if we forsake what he says and we insist on stealing, like, God, I'm not going to listen to you. I think it's fun to steal because I don't have to work. I can just go get all the stuff that I want, just grab it. I can go to your house or your house. and I'll just go steal your stuff and then I'll sell it for a tenth of what it's worth because I don't care because I'm just looking for enough money to get a Chipotle burrito or something, okay? And so, you know, they can take your thing, you pay 500 bucks for it and sell it for 10 bucks and they're happy. It's like, whatever. But God is saying, okay, you don't want to listen to me. So now you're going to get caught eventually, right? Doesn't everyone get caught eventually because you reap what you sow. And so you'll go to jail. If you get mad at someone and you say, I'm not going to listen to God's law, and you go and hurt someone physically because they did something to me, they deserve to die, maybe they do. But if you take the law into your own hands and you go murder that person, then you're going to spend the rest of your life in prison. God is trying to spare you from you. If we allow sex and promiscuity to run amok in our lives, an entire host of things can happen to us. There can be many multiple sexually transmitted diseases some that are incurable now i remember counseling a 21 year old man that came into uh counseling when i was still a pastor at harvest and look he was a good looking young man built you know totally stud muffin guy you know just you know what all of stuff you know he wasn't a stud muffin to me i just want to point that out but uh, <laughs> but anyway but he was a good looking guy. Look, I mean, he was. I mean, you could put this guy on the front cover of, of uh, GQ Magazine. But he sat there weeping with his face buried in his hands, uncontrollable crying because he was just uh, diagnosed with HIV. And he was just, I mean, he was a mess. And, you know, I ministered to him and I counseled with him. And, you know, and it's like I, he, he was devastated, his life was destroyed. It's like his life had completely was derailed. But I I told him, look, if you repent before God, God will forgive you. But he was still going to have the HIV virus. I mean, God can forgive us of our sin. But the consequences like this man that had been laid up for 38 years, the consequences didn't change for him. When there's an unwanted pregnancy because, you know, you're out having sex when you shouldn't be having sex and you get a girl pregnant, or if you're the girl and you got pregnant, it's like, you know, God can forgive you for the act of fornication, but you're still going to be pregnant when it's all said and done, you know, and maybe you battle with some other issue in your life. We're all called, though, to choose how we're going to live. It God gives us a choice. You can either continue to live in sin or... You can turn from that sin. The question is, what will you do? Will you repent? Or will you try to have it both ways? Because that's what we want, isn't it? We'd like to have both ways. We think that, well, I can still do what I want to do and live in sin. And I can have the blessings of God too. But I'm sorry, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. It just simply doesn't work that way. It's not going to happen for you. Because we must confess our sin before God. That word confess means that we have to agree with God that it's wrong. And we have to be desperate to get right with God. It's like, where's the desperation? We can't just like, it's a flipping thing. Oh yeah, God, you know, hey, I'm really sorry about robbing that bank yesterday. You know, like, hey man, could you just like, you know, cut me some little grace there, you know, as you're planning on robbing another bank tomorrow. There's no forgiveness for that. There has to be a desperation that moves with inside of us because of his hand of blessing is never going to be unleashed in our lives until that true confession and repentance is made and forgiveness is truly sought. But when we do truly repent and we're like, oh God, have mercy on me. God will always have mercy on you. But it has to be from a heart of truth. That's why King David, you you know King David. I mean, it's like, look at what was happening in his life think about it for a second you have king david who the bible says was a man after god's own heart and truly he was he wrote the majority of the psalms and i mean this man had this wonderful unbelievable relationship with god in the old testament he was filled with the holy spirit and god blessed this man in ways that you can't even hardly imagine he blessed him financially physically everything but david started getting a little spoiled as he got older you know, David had so much money, he had so much gold, it wasn't counted in ounces, okay? Just for you people, with your little math here, you know, there's 16 ounces to a pound, right? Okay, David had gold by the ton, by the ton. There's 2,000 pounds in a ton. You, you, his gold was like by the ton. So he had so much money, you can't even count how much money he had. And yet, as he got older, he started turning his back from God. He started having the lust of his flesh. See, he started multiplying his wives, which he wasn't supposed to do. Deuteronomy 17, 17 said, don't multiply your wives. Why? Because it'll take your heart away from me. But he multiplied wives. You know, you have these Mormons that sit there like, well, we're doing this godly thing, having multiple wives because King David had multiple wives. And so, oh yeah, did you, did you read the whole story? Yeah, yeah, he sinned against God having multiple wives. And because he had all those multiple wives and kids from multiple wives, one kid's raping another one of the kids from another wife, and, and then this kid goes and kills that kid from another wife. I mean, it's just like he had so much disaster in his life because he rebelled against God's word. But that's a whole other Bible study. We'll get on that another time. But anyway, the point is this. David's lust in his life was out of control. And he started lusting after women. So he had multiple wives. Then he had concubines. Concubines is a nice word of saying, you're a little bedmate for me. So he had multiple concubines, had multiple wives, but that still wasn't enough. Isn't it amazing how you think, I need more sex? And then you keep adding more and more and more, and it's never satisfied. So he had 30 mighty men. These were like still Team Six on steroids. These mighty men that God raised up to protect David were unbelievable warriors. Well, these men would come over to his house to eat in the palace and all that. These are his closest men. This is his whole military, you know, the stronghold was these 30 mighty men. And one of them, his name was Uriah well man he scored big time because he married the cheerleader of the football team or I'm just saying she was a fox Okay. so the bible doesn't always point this out but it does a few times in the bible where it actually talks about someone's image and how they looked and her appearance and her form was unbelievable his wife's name was Bathsheba who knows how many times they were overeaten at the king's house as a mighty valor man for king David and how they were little, doing little wink-winks with one another Finally, when her husband was out on the battlefield, out for a, a long time, David called and had her come over, and they had sexual relations, and his, her husband was gone for so long that, oh my goodness, it's like she was showed up pregnant and the whole mess. And so David sent word to his main commander, take Uriah, this fighting, wonderful warrior machine, put him out on the fierce part of the battle, and pull everyone else back. I wonder how many of the enemy Uriah took out. Again, he was one of God's 30 mighty valor men. I wonder how many he took out, but eventually he lost his life to these other uh, people that they were battling. And so then David takes this woman on as his own wife. Oh my God, we talk about a mess here. This is the man after God's own heart. Just goes to show you, it doesn't matter who we are. We could all slip and fall. We could all crash and burn. And so David finally, after a year of all of this huge mess in his life, he finally got to the end of himself. And he's like, oh God, what have I done? Because now he's lost his relationship with God. He's lost everything. And this is what he says in Psalm 51. He says, oh God, against you and you only have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. He says, purify me and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities create in me a clean heart O oh god and renew a right spirit within me i mean think what of a mess he did think about the poor girl think about bathsheba it's like now her husband's dead so david marries her brings her into all the other wives and concubines and that whole spider web of a mess in there i wonder what bathsheba thought about it afterwards now i'm the wife of king david oh there's a bunch of other wives She went from being the prized possession of one man, a mighty man of valor with great integrity, where he could just love on her, to being one of many wives. It's like sin, no matter how glorious it looks, it will always sting In the end, always. Yeah, David said, you know, let me start all over again, Lord. Create in me a clean heart. Give me a brand new heart, God, because I have polluted this heart. Only God can do that. Only God can cause that kind of a fresh start in our lives. Yes, I've seen Christians as a pastor make some very bad choices, including myself. And I've seen the horrible consequences that many have had to pay but I have also seen many people who have made mistakes in their life and have sinned greatly. I've seen them rise above the life of mediocrity. I have seen people that have lost their will to fight sin and I've seen them come back and the Lord strengthen them, and turn away from their hypocrisy, turn away from the compromise in their life. And I've seen men and women who lived horrible lives, live righteously and humbly before God. And by doing so, I've seen many of them change the lives of those in this culture. I've seen many of them make such a difference in other people's lives that not only did their life change radically, but they changed the lives of those that were around them. Yes, Jesus healed man. Man who had to pay the price for his sin for 38 years. He went away rejoicing. Why? Because those who Jesus sets free are free indeed.
2: That's all the time we have for our message. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on ios and android core church is sponsored by and a listener supported outreach of core church la if you have been blessed by this program consider supporting our radio ministry by texting core church la one word that's core church la to 77977 and remember there's a god in heaven who loves you